Hey, you're listening to Chew On That, and here's what we're chewing on today. Man, I love Easter. Not, I love all the stuff, the candy and the egg hunts, the going to church and the getting dressed up. And of course, it looks different this year. It looks different in our current context, but we still did it. Still did all that stuff. And for obvious reasons, it was more challenging this year. It took more planning, but we still did it. I, I, I put on the suit and I put on the tie. We still did the egg hunt with our kids. We, we still gave them the candy, the cards, and the gifts. I mean, I had to order the empty eggs from Amazon and have them delivered. I, I had to have the candy delivered via the shipped app, which meant that I needed to let it sit out on my doorstep for a couple of days before I brought it in. And, and it had to be ordered a couple of weeks ago. It took a lot more planning, but because I love all that stuff, I didn't want to stop just because we were limited by shelter in place. And so because I love Easter so much, I actually want to do something that's maybe a little bit crazy today. I actually want to do a makeshift Easter egg hunt with you. And so earlier this week, I took a number and I wrote it down on a sticky note and I have it set on my desk. It's between one and 100. And so if you will text the word egg hunt, all one word to the number 97,000, you're going to get an auto reply. Then text back your guess. And if you guess the right number, I'm going to ship you my favorite Easter treat. Just make sure you leave it out on your doorstep for a couple of days before you bring it in. But anyway, I just thought, why do we make Easter sometimes so stuffy? And why do we want to change that just because we're limited by where we can be this year? And so I thought that would just be uh, kind of fun. I hope you like that. Anyway, today I want to wrap up this Jesus said series that we've been in with a message that we're calling Let There Be Light. Hey, hi, welcome to Chew On That. My name is Pastor Scott, and today with me is my friend Nick Hetcher. Say hi, Nick. Hi, Nick. <laughs> anyway, we're really excited to talk about uh, Sean's Easter message, and I would totally yeah. tell you the title of it, but I can't remember it at all. And so there's um, two of us, <laughs> but before we get started, not that it wasn't really good, but I was so focused on the content that I've already forgotten the title. And so I feel like that's a good message then, because if the title is better than the content, that's really not that great of a message. Exactly. So Nick, tell me a little bit about yourself. Like people don't know you like I know you. Well, I'm 37, father of six, uh, Jesus person. Wait, 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 did you just say six? Yep. So you're Irish Catholic? Yeah, born and raised. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, we just uh, got rolling and we found that we were good at having really cute kids. So we kept going. Like, yeah, we'll I can verify that. That's definitely <laughs> true. We actually had a lot of boys and we thought we should keep trying for girls. Well, God has a really good sense of humor. So he's like, uh, here's another boy. Here's twin boys. And then finally we got our girl. That's awesome. What kind of work do you do? Not that you're defined by your work, but I feel like that's such the typical question that you ask someone when you first meet them. Fair enough for guys, especially. Yeah. Um, IT actually is what I do. Information technology. And I own a little, very little contracting company. And I have clients kind of in the Green Bay area that they call me when they have IT needs. That's awesome. In fact, we're meeting right now. We're doing this podcast in the basement of Spring Lake Church. Correct. Uh, sitting a full six feet apart, probably closer to 10 feet, maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, to, to do this podcast. And so you're here helping them do IT stuff. I am. Yeah. I'm here for several hours every week. And um, any other churches out there listening? 
Don't call. Actually, I don't really. Have you don't. No. You don't want more business. Uh, not right now. No. All right. Uh, it's good. It's we're rolling good. All right. Because I mean, I'm happy to do that plug, man. Help nope. for all your IT needs. Because that's the yeah. perfect advertising slogan. Well, now that Scott said it, uh, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, we're gonna jump right in uh, to uh, the parts of Sean's. Band. And I was just telling Nick before we got started that. Sean's message this week was 18 minutes. And so we have eight minutes of sound bites. So like, like nearly like most of it is all just really good, Sean. And so uh, we're going to start with the first one right now. Let's just give a listen. Well, I want to start today by actually asking you two questions. Who are you and why are you here? Who are you and why are you here? Really? not the answers you've conditioned yourself to give, not the answers you think you should give or you think the answers we wanna hear. Uh, I'm talking about the real answers. Who are you and why are you here? Those are pretty difficult questions for us to answer, aren't they? But they're the two questions that your entire life is built upon. And incidentally, they're the two questions the entire Bible spends answering. Getting those questions right will make your life heaven on earth. But on the flip side, getting those two questions wrong can make your life hell on earth. Once again, Sean comes out of the gate, right? With like a showstopper, right? Like he wouldn't have to say anything more for me anyway, where he distills our lives into the two questions of who we are and what are we doing here? And I just, I, I... And as I thought about that after Sean said it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, everything I do can be distilled down to those two questions. Everything that I do. Absolutely. You know, where like as even like when I was younger and screwing up, right, like everything I was doing then was still to try to figure out who I was and what I was doing there. Right. And so as I was chasing, you know, the crap that I was chasing, right, drinking or smoking or, you know, whatever. I was trying to do do all those things to define my moments and through my moments to find me and define using my relationships to define who I was. And like, I mean, that's the, our whole lives are that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like those questions are the microscope that we look at ourselves through. And so as we ask those two questions, we're really kind of honing in on who we are at a deep, deep level. And so the answers, uh, much like this virus that's going around uh, can either be really bad things that define us or they could be really godly things that define us. Yeah. I feel like for many of us, at least for me, I didn't figure this out until much, much too late. I didn't figure out that like I, I, that my responses were like, were who I was. Right. Or I mean, like, <sighs> I would just keep responding to things and then life would keep punching me in the face. And then I would respond again and it would punch me in the face. And I just keep getting madder and madder. I would respond madder and madder. Mm -hmm. And like at some point in my life, I realized, wait a minute, my life isn't made up of how I respond to things like this. You know, that's, that's not, that's pinball, man. That's not, that's not life. That's just, you know, getting banged around and ding, 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 Love right. the sound effects. Thanks. Yeah, I just made those up. I'm like that guy in Police Academy. I've never seen it. So oh, yeah, I think I saw the first one. Of references that was it. lost. Right, but I think there's like 14 of them. But yeah. anyway, like I just feel like 
And as long as we keep just responding to things and not evaluating, hey, what's making me do that? Like, what's causing me, my pinball, to, like, shoot back up to the top? Well, it's the flippers. Well, who's doing the flippers? Yep. And so, the, you know, the flippers are triggers, right? Like, so you can, again, all this stuff comes back full circle, but you got to stop bouncing around or being bounced around, right, in life and start looking at, like, who you are and what are you doing here? For every one of us, People have been trying to answer those questions for us our entire lives. Parents and teachers, friends and foes, culture and media have all been trying to answer those questions for us since we were born. Fortunately though, God's been answering those questions for us since before we were born. You know, just recently uh, at Life Church downtown, which is meeting every Sunday at six o'clock uh, when we're not on Corona, we meet at Gather on Broadway um, at six o'clock on Sundays. And then in the middle of the Corona that they've got going on, we meet actually still online on Zoom. And so we can still see each other's faces. Anyway, not that long ago, we talked about this very thing about trying to figure out who we are based on the reflection that we see that's delivered by others. Right. Like I, I was reminded of like when I was a kid and my mom would go shopping a lot and I was the youngest by a lot. And so I would always just go shopping with her while everyone else was in school. And we would go to Prangies a lot, which was this department store downtown. And I loved when we went to Prangies because they had this like mirror that was like 16 sides. It was like this room of mirrors and you could like stand in there and like close the mirrors behind you. And like, it was just you everywhere and you could see you at every angle. And sometimes like we rely on that, but then listen, that mirror is actually the complete opposite of the truth. Mm. Sometimes we go even further where we like look to other people for a reflection and they've got their own stuff. They're, they're screwed up. They're warped. They're broken themselves. And so yes. now we're not even looking good at Prangy's mirror. We're looking like in Funhouse mirrors. Yeah. Oh my gosh, look at how fat I am in that mirror. Look at how skinny I am in there. Look at how ugly I am in that mirror. Right. And so we look to others you know, for their opinions of us or for their impressions of us as we say, define me, you know? Right. I feel like when we're looking to others for definition, we're setting our bar too low. I feel like God has a lot higher standard for us, but his expectations are meant to be intertwined with how he's going to work with us to get to those expectations. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I... <laughs> But you could see where people, if they're feeling hopeless or they're feeling uh, meaningless or inconsequential. And so you could say, we're, I mean, uh, what good am I even doing? You know, I mean, I feel like that's a lot of people think that that's like a midlife crisis, but I'm just, I feel like. Right. But we can do it every day. Every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're all here for a reason. And for most of you, it's not for the reason you think. You're here to learn how to be a better husband or wife, to learn how to be a better parent or child, boss or employee, neighbor or friend, to learn how to manage your money or your influence better. What you're not here to do is learn how to go to heaven or not how to go to hell. That's not what church is designed for. If church was only designed to teach people how to go to heaven or how not to go to hell, what would we even need each other for? The whole heaven and hell thing is such low-hanging fruit. The Bible is so robust. It's full of such richness that it does it a disservice to make it like the evacuation plan we all ignore when we're waiting for our flight to take off. Raise your hand if 
heaven and hell were the only thing that you ever took away from church. Like, I just feel like well, if you're listening, 95 or 98% of you, like that's, I mean, it's gotta be how we all saw church. I mean, that's how we saw, I mean, it was all about like staying out of hell and getting into heaven, everything, everything that we did from what you wore to how often you came to church to how well you behaved in church Mm -hmm. to like how you, like everything was about the consequences of going to heaven or hell. And for Sean to stand up there and tell me that's the lowest hanging fruit of our faith. It's the lowest hanging fruit of our relationship with God. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The consequences of that statement are high because it means that if we've been looking through that lens for our whole lives or for what we call our whole relationship with Jesus, uh, we have some real double checking to do on our own hearts. And I think that's, the direction that Sean is kind of positioning us toward. And he wants us to see that if that's the lowest hanging fruit, we certainly need to start looking for some of the higher hanging fruits, some of the fruit that's not falling off the branch. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, it, it, to extend the analogy, right? Like we grab the low hanging fruit because we're low or we're small or we're tiny or we're short, but if we're truly growing in our faith, right? Well, now we're going to start getting into the middle branches and the upper branches and the tippity top branches. Right. And so like, we got to leave that low hanging fruit low. Like it, our, our, like he, like Sean says about how the Bible is so robust, but if we just really just try to distill it down to like do this or that, right. This or that, that feels like an IT thing. If this, then that, right? If yes. it's an if-then statement. Yeah. That's how I learned programming. On a big yeah, that's a good place to start. 45. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was funny because like when I was a kid, we didn't even have computer classes in school. They like oh brought gosh. like trailers in. We're like, going to go there. <laughs> like all these like huge computers and like four or six Well, they've got a supercomputer here today for us to use. <laughs> the Department of Defense right. has brought it it's in so, so, so we anyway, can use it now. I just remember that from high school. That was circa 1985. Okay. Well, I was three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what was I talking about? How do we get there? Oh, if then, right? The, the, it's so much more than the if then. And every time I just feel like Jesus was so cool about how he answered questions that when we just wanted him to come back to if then, like he was just always being asked that, like by the Pharisees and by the, you know, princes and by the rich men and by the poor men and the short men in the tree and all these other people just want to know, like, how do I get in? Like, what's my ticket to ride? And he's just like, oh, that's so much more beautiful than that. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I do feel like if then is still super important because because it is still hinged on that question. I mean, if we want to be a true disciple of Jesus, we will love others. If we want to lead others to him, we will love the father. If we want to be more like Jesus, we will love like Jesus does. And so there are still very strong if then statements, but as it relates to um, if we want to stay out of hell, then we choose this, then yeah, I feel like that is super low hanging. When we read about the life of Jesus, we find even though he taught all the time, he seldom talked about the next life. He did, however, talk a lot about how to live this life because this life is an investment into your next life. So Jesus lived his entire life teaching about how to live this life, knowing that showing you how to live this life has a direct return on where you'll live your next life. And so this Galilean rabbi, Yeshua, 
this Jesus of Nazareth, he lived his life in a way that was so attractive, was so in line with the scriptures that thousands of people were enthralled with him, captured by him. You know, in the Jewish culture, the most important role of a rabbi was to demonstrate the word. They were told to be basora lebasar, the good word in the flesh. And no one did that better than Rabbi Jesus. In light of this whole virus that's going on, uh, the whole market's crashed. I mean, it's dropped tremendously and um, a lot of people have lost a lot. Uh, but one of the positive things that I've seen is the availability of these stocks that you wouldn't have invested in before because they were priced too high and now they're on sale, essentially 40% lower. So I found myself investing in those stocks and I feel like there's something akin to that in how we put our time with other Jesus people first and therefore how we put our relationship with Jesus first as well. And I feel like that investment pays off dividends over and over and over again, um, whether it be meeting every other week on a Tuesday with a guy to just talk uh, life and, and, and be real about it, or whether it be every morning investing in that time in prayer, um, in supplication and seeking after the face of God. I find that being Jesus with skin on, uh, Basora Labasar, um, allowing other people to see Christ through what they see in us is something that we overlook quite often and something that shouldn't be overlooked. I love what he said about how people responded to Jesus because he was more than just a knower of the words, right? Right. That he was a shower of the words, a doer of the words. <clears throat> and I guess that resonates with me because I was at Woodman's yesterday and uh, I had gloves on, but not a mask. And then there were some girls, girls, not girls, like young women, 20 somethings, right? From church. And they came down the baking aisle. Like I was going to get chocolate chunks for my daughter to make chocolate chunk cookies. Anyway, and these girls came down the aisle like, oh my gosh, hey, Pastor Scott. And I'm like, hey, how you guys doing? Blah, blah, blah. So nice to see you. Make sure you take care of yourselves. And we kept the distance and we kind of worked around each other. And then, you know, I turned at the end of the aisle and was headed towards frozen foods. And it occurred to me of how much of my life I longed for that title. I longed to be regarded as Pastor Scott. Mm. And, th and that's a whole nother podcast. Mm -hmm. um, but then when I think about that, though, I think about my shortcomings as a pastor. And uh, like, I, I mean, it's easy to pale in comparison to dudes like Sean or even like guys like Jack here at Spring Lake Church or yep. you know, any number of dudes. Like you're like, dude, what are you, you can't even call you. You're like little P pastor, maybe. <laughs> You know, because I don't I don't know that I know as much as them or if I do, I don't know how to say it as well as them. But then I think ah, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm doing OK in the area of like, say the words again, something, something, Lebasar. Yeah, Basara Lebasar. I feel like I'm OK with that. Right. I feel like, you know, what I mean, like I may not be able to say all the words, but like no one could ever doubt who I believe that I am in Jesus Christ as Basora Labasar. Agreed. And like, 
I feel like that's attainable. If it, listen, if it's attainable for a joker like me, is it attainable for you? Amen. You know, like it doesn't have to be being a church person or a highly religious person or a very devout person. Agreed. You know, it has nothing to do with like your ability to quote scripture or your ability to, I don't know, like know where the high holy days are. It's got everything to do with with those words. What drew people to Jesus wasn't that they thought he was the way to heaven. They already thought they knew how to get to heaven. That was through their animal sacrifices. They were drawn to Jesus because of two things. His masterful teaching of the scriptures and his masterful display of Basora la Basar. How he took the word and made it come alive. And he made it come alive with his words and with his life how he made it accessible, and how he made it work for their everyday lives. Remember, these people were no different than us. They had bills and relationships, kids to raise and feed, conflicts and concerns, and they were just as confused by scripture and how to implement it into their daily lives as you and I are today. I'm watching this show on Netflix. <laughs> Why do you always laugh when I talk about something that's happening? <laughs> Because I never watch Netflix. Oh, no, right. I'm just kidding. Or go to Woodman's or take Wood, Woodman's. Class. It was just a funny story. That, All right. Yeah. All right. Anyway, I'm watching this show on Netflix. It's a three hour movie called The American Gospel Crucified Christ. And I was first I was scared to watch it because sometimes like when you're on like a Netflix or on Prime and there's like a religious kind of thing. Yeah. It's usually just Twisted. taking us down. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I was like, I started, started, started Googling it. Like, hey, is there, what are the criticisms of this? Because I'm interested. Because it was like every preacher known to man is quoted. Like they've got sound bites of them talking about Christ and talking about our faith and talking about primarily why Christ had to be crucified. Mm. And so I was just reminded of that when Sean was talking about, listen, they already knew that they're, that the, gosh, that their debts were paid. Because of their animal sacrifice. Right. According to the law. Right. According to the law. According to Hebrew, Hebrew which is like being on like work release. <laughs> yeah. Hebrew. Yeah. Hebrew. Hebrew. Right. Hebrew. The Hebrew. Yeah. Anyway, uh, is wearing ombre, which is like a, anyway, according to Hebrew law, right? Do your animal sacrifices took care of their sin, like on Yom Kippur or whatever it was, right? right? They would bring like their best thing. Mm -hmm. Here's my firstborn lamb or my firstborn goat or my firstborn gerbil or whatever they did, whatever they had. Here's my most valuable thing. The purest thing I have. Mm -hmm. Please use this to atone for my sin. It's my sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So according to their law, they were already. So that got back to that equation of heaven and hell, right? right? Like there was like, if you sacrifice your goat, then you get heaven. Right. But what drove people to Jesus was so much more than that, mm -hmm. because life was so much more than that. It was so much more complicated than right or wrong. It was so much more robust that people have bills and they have, you know, marital difficulties or they have parenting difficulties or they have bad job days. Right. And so, like, how do I deal with that in the if then of goats and hell? Like what, you know? I guess I feel like um, there's a bit of a parallel where Sean is talking about the people of Jesus day saying, 
we have these needs. Can you meet them? And us needing to say, we have these needs. Can you meet them Ooh, as well? That's good. And I feel like if we kind of go down that track and find what are the things that we're not actually bringing to Jesus for whatever reason, whether it's pride or arrogance, or we think we have it all together or not. Um, and how can we then take those out and go, okay, here you go and lay them at the foot of the cross. And I think that's the parallel. Yeah. And I love that because it goes back to the fact that that's life, right? right? And, and life isn't just a matter of making sure we get through it with enough goats, Yep. right? That really life is about like how we treat each other and how, you know, how we treat ourselves and how absolutely we reflect God and all those things happen at work or as a parent or as a husband or a in wife. real life, yeah. in real life and in real yeah. time. And Jesus was like a master at that. Like I always yeah. tell people, if you've not taken a second and pulled out Matthew five, six and seven, which yep. is the sermon on the Mount, right? Mm-hmm. It starts with the Beatitudes, which are very difficult sometimes because yeah. I don't really understand the blessings are these because then they get that. I don't, I get lost in all that, but the, the sermon on the Mount was so much more than the Beatitudes. That Absolutely. was like the introduction mm-hmm. after that is like, is like teaching after teaching after teaching of how to get through life. And it's so applicable today that it wasn't just for goat herds and shepherds and, you know, carpenters, that it was for IT guys and photographers and nurses and teachers, you know, like this is how you have to live life. Like don't just skip over life. Life is the thing. Yep. And we're not supposed to be, maybe I'm going out on a limb here. That we're not supposed to be just be living for life everlasting that we're not supposed to be, just be living in order so we get a heaven because mm-hmm. that's the that's the true end to the means. That the means are just as important as the end to the means. That living, living like the kingdom is here. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what we're commanded to do. That's why we are supposed to like love our neighbors as ourselves, even the ones that we don't like or that don't look like us or that don't mm-hmm. vote like us or don't. I don't know. I think have so. Sex like us, right? Mm-hmm. Like like we're supposed to love them all. Yep. So that's that's. The kingdom of God here is loving that way. Like if we're supposed to live like Jesus did, Basara Labasai. There's no I in it at all. Anyway, we're supposed to be. He's going to say it again. And there's an I at the end. There's not an I. We're going to have a little bet. I'll bet you 20 bucks. 20? All right, you're on. Yep. All right. Well, there's a quick 20 bucks for me. Anyway. Uh... Crap, now I got all, we really actually aren't going to bet. Sorry, I just, yeah, no betting. I we just, don't bet. Just yeah. realized. <laughs> that's so funny. We got two AG guys here. Right. So, yeah. That's super funny. Anyway, that's, if we could just be more like Jesus. Yeah, it is that, Basura Lebasar then? Yes. Okay. $20. You just said we're not going to bet. That's why. <laughs> He spent most of his time telling people who they were and why they were there. And he did that by teaching them how to love people and how to serve people. How to be good parents and siblings, employees and neighbors. He was drawing up, he was describing, he was designing this dream that we could and should all become Basora the Basar, the good word in the flesh. God's dream for us all. And it's been his dream since before man was even here. In the book of Genesis, during the design process, God said, let us make man in our image. And the Hebrew word here is salem. It's a cultural idea. And later on, the world would be crowded with, covered with salem, images of God's lower G. 
So we're at first we were you could have just seen Nick's eyes. They were like slits. He was like he was like Kurt Russell in Tombstone. Anyway, uh, which was actually one of the best. Because uh, actually, the same time that that Tombstone came out, like Wyatt Earp came out with Kevin Costner, and uh, Tombstone is the far superior film Agreed. of the two. Yeah. Val Kilmer could, is in it. Yes. If you could just cut off the parts with Dana Delaney, like the love parts, like, listen, yeah. I don't need any of that. Nope. And, not at all. Yeah. She was so far outmatched in that whole movie. Anyway, otherwise, it's one of my favorites, right? Anyway, I'm your Huckleberry. My point was, was that we're earlier we talked about how we look to other people, right, for our reflection so that we can know what we look like or who we are or what, you know, how we're shaped or what we're. And here, Sean says, listen, Jesus is telling us who we are and what we look like and what we're doing here. So, like, for me, as a person that you had said in our, in our pre-show conversation, you had talked about how. Yeah, that's a perfect example of a people pleaser, right? Because I'm, I'm nothing if not a people pleaser, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm just, that's just who I am. And so if I take that to unhealthy levels, which I have in the past, this idea of just, I'm not going to be good unless I'm making someone happy. Or I'm not going to be good unless someone right. appreciates me. Or I'm not going to be yeah. worth anything if I'm not worth something to somebody. I mean, how many of you are like living that way? Mm. And so... I just feel like when I was when I was leaning on who my dad says that I was or for my, who, who my first wife said that I was or my kids or my friends or my boss. And I was, you know, like you said, warped or you said something. Anyway, it was really good about like how, boy, that's, it's not even true. But the one thing I know is true is who Jesus Christ says that I am. Mm-hmm. And I got to work off that. And I, that's, I mean, that's the measure. That's the, that's the yardstick is who Jesus says that I am, not who the people in my life say that I am. I think one of the big things today is truth being relative. And I think that's a big problem when you said what we know uh, to be true is what Jesus says. Well, everyone would ask us, well, how can you know that is actually true. And I think that a lot of what society says echoes in our minds over and over again, and we have to combat that actively. And so it's not simply saying, I know what Jesus said is true. And so I will implement that. It's what happens after that. It's remembering that we actually know it and then implementing that. And I think it's super important for us to focus on what Jesus said, but I think it's as important to focus on it being the truth, capital T truth. How can I be, how can I be assured that it's true? I mean, like what's. Well, I think if we have the foundation of truth in scripture and in scripture coming to life in Christ, as we see in John, that can be the beginning or Genesis, if you will, of what our faith needs to stand on foundationally. And if we're not living in that scripture, then we can find ourselves lost in really in search of what truth is. But if we find ourselves cemented in that truth on a daily basis or weekly basis or, uh, what we, um, intentionally make time for, uh, we can then build the house on that foundation and we can 
continue to put brick after brick after brick of our faith in him instead of um, our job or what our spouse thinks of us or what other people think of us. And I think that comes back to the whole people pleasing bit where we lose focus of what's important. The foundation starts to be torn down. We start building it on shifting sand instead of on the rock. This is the culture that Jewish people were delivered from. So in Exodus, God wrote the most important rules. And he started those rules by saying, you shall have no other Salem before me, and you shall, shall not make for yourself a Salem in the form of anything. Why? Not because he's small or insecure, but because he already had a Salem. You. You are the Salem. You are the image of God. It was his dream before we were even here so that anyone you meet, they should get a glimpse of what God is like because he is like you if you are the Basora Labasar, the good word in the flesh. I mean, stop it, right? Jeez. I mean, as a kid, for sure, that's how I thought of God. Like, Oh, I see. He wants to be the only game in town. Yep. So he doesn't want me to have other gods, golden calves or, you know, Lamborghinis or whatever. Right. Like nothing should come before him because he's like, I don't want you to make anything more important than me. I should be the most important thing in the world. That's exactly right. the small way that I thought of God. Because he wanted to feel better about himself. Yeah. Right? <laughs> As a- so here I am. I'm 53 years old today. Right. I'm today years old or it was Sunday. Right. I was Sunday years Happy old. Birthday. Thanks. Not really. My birthday wasn't Sunday. I'm just saying I was Sunday's years old when it, when it occurred to me that God didn't do it because he was small, but God did it because I'm all the Salem that the world needs. And so then I'm thinking, good gracious, Jesus friend. Like, what are you doing today to be Jesus? Right. Like, I know, uh, like, Back when I was a kid, uh, and like Jesus Freak, who was that? Like Toby Mac, DC and Talk, yeah, DC Talk, and all that other stuff. Like I remember having my WWJD bracelets back then, and that was you know you did that because you wanted to be a cool Christian kid because all the cool Christian the kids frog wore that bracelet. Yes, yeah. Listen, if you meet me today, I'm still wearing WWJD, but not as a way to be more like DC Talk or Toby Mac. But as a reminder of like, I'm the Salem. And so even before I knew that, I knew that that needed to be my thing. Like I needed to be Jesus's hands and feet. I needed to be Jesus with skin on. I needed to be the Salem so that people would be like, I like that guy. Right. Like, I, so if I could, if I could marry all like the people pleasing parts of me to the Jesus pleasing part of me, if I could put those two things together, then I'd be inspiring people to want to know more about the Jesus that I knew and not about the Jesus that they think that they knew or that they, they grew up being told was, you know, all this other stuff about like, not that he's not that, but like sometimes it becomes more like a fairy tale or a tall tale than the truth. I don't know whether or not to play devil's advocate here. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I guess I feel like if we want to marry those two things, that could be where the fault becomes Um, more of what we're not actually seeking for as Jesus people. I feel like it's actually the separation of the two. So you're using, we're using the example of your people pleasing and your Jesus pleasing, but wouldn't it be necessarily so that we drop more of the people pleasing aspect and turn it into the Jesus pleasing aspect. And therein it becomes um, 
people pleasing air quotes is here the, as the byproduct uh, as the byproduct. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like we might be saying the same thing okay. just because I'm not very lingually articulating it, articulating yeah. it because I feel like what I'm saying is let's marry, love your neighbor and love your Lord, your God. And you don't think that you don't, I feel like we might be uh, in danger of marrying our flesh with his spirit. And Paul tells us to kill the flesh daily. Right. And so if we um, take people pleasing as the example again and say, let's kill this off and we bring Jesus to the throne in that very thing, then we're thinking it's a different motivation. So I think right, you're yeah. saying the same yeah, yeah. thing. I yeah. feel like Jesus pleasing looks like loving others. Agreed. So it's based on your motivation. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. all. I'm not, I'm not people pleasing so that they'll like me. So then I'm taking I, that part of me that comes naturally right. and married to, for the, by the motivation. I need to please my Lord and savior. That's what I mean by marrying them. So, so you're killing off the motivation to please people for people to myself, pleasing right? like sake. In that yeah. Way, yeah. Totally yeah. dying to myself. And you're saying I no longer want to please people for my sake, but for Christ's sake. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Boy, I wish you were my ventriloquist. I, I can be. I, I used to do puppets <laughs> in church. <laughs> That's scary <funny>. and creepy. <laughs> Don't see how everyone else sees. Where everyone else sees lost causes, people who shine their light before men, they see lost people. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He said that he came to seek and save the lost. Don't see how everyone else sees. A long time ago, when I stopped taking people's word, I think you always smile when I start using a personal story or an anecdote. Because I love it. Okay. I love your heart. I, and I love when it definitely lights me up um, when people start talking about something personal in there. Okay. Yeah. All right. See, because that's my insecure self. Thinking mm -hmm. if someone's smiling, you, it's judgmental. Because I'm an idiot. Nope. Nope. I love I it. Jesus would fix that in me. Yeah. Anyway, a while ago when I first started like just taking other people's word for who Jesus was or what I was supposed to think of him and started doing my own reading, my own research, my own exploration, which is where we should all be at. Yeah. Uh, I discovered this dude named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Awesome guy. Right. Yeah. Anyway, like, why is there no Dietrich Bonhoeffer movie? Give me that movie. Right. Anyway, because it's in book format, right? Yeah. So he was this German pastor, right? During Nazi Germany. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he's really brilliant. And he wrote these things um, in one of his books in life together, I think, where he says, here, here are the steps of how we should treat people. Hear each other. Give voice to the weak and to the hurting. Bear each other. Carry their weakness and their pain. Serve each other with the gifts that we have. And then finally instruct each other only after we have heard, born and served. And listen, like when he talks about this first step of like, see others how, like don't see people how others see people, see people how Jesus sees people. And like, Jesus didn't, I don't, maybe I've got this wrong and I can count on you to tell me. I just feel like the Jesus that I understand did those things, heard others and, bore others' burdens and served others before we ever started talking about like judgment or instruction. Like people would come to him. Like I say this all the time and say, Oh my gosh, Jesus, I can't see, or I can't hear, or I can't walk, or I've got, 
I can't stop bleeding or I'm dead. Right. Like, I just feel like from the, and maybe this might be selective hearing, but from the way I remember these stories, these accounts, is that she's like, oh my gosh, let me help you. Hang on, let me make some mud and put it on your ears or in your eyes or lay hands on you so you don't have leprosy or call you out of a dark cave so you're alive. Right, I don't disagree with that, actually. I agree with it. And I think preceding those events, you saw so many times where Jesus said, and he's, or he thought, Jesus saw in their hearts or Jesus knew what they were thinking. So then he, and a lot of that was with the Pharisees, but there are times where people needed to be healed or, um, uh, the woman, the woman with a bleeding disorder who touched his hem that where Jesus knew what was going on the whole time. And so a lot of times he's taking compassion on us before we're asking for compassion. Right. I think that it's more belief in that he's already working uh, than it is that he will work. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And so when I think about how we should see people like Jesus sees them, you know, we don't have that knowledge, right. Of people's mm-hmm. hearts or people's minds. So maybe we shouldn't be like yelling at people or judging people or right. sitting in, you know, pious places above people. Like maybe what we should be doing is like loving them mm-hmm. regardless of, where they're at, their station or their habits or their sins that I should be loving and serving and, you know, bearing your burdens, no matter who you are, because Jesus bore my burden. Even when my burden was crap, Yep. you know, and so I feel like I can do that for others and maybe by being heard and being seen and being helped, maybe that opens, you know, a path for me to share what I know about who Jesus is. Not to belabor Paul's teachings again, but he said that where sin abounds, grace abounds, I feel. And I think that's where we lack so much is that where sin abounds, we don't have as much grace because like the world sees these people, we tend to have judgment abound instead. And I think if we can practice having grace and love and mercy, kindness, gentleness over people that normally um, society would judge, then we can kind of put that name of who Christ should be or wants to be in the public eye. Yeah. Lately I've been bringing lunch to this kid. Uh, A teacher friend of mine reached out. She was one of his students but she can't have interaction with him on like on a personal level, mm-hmm. you know, outside of school. And she said, there's a kid and uh, there's free lunch programs through Green Bay schools, but he can't get it. He can't get to it. Mm-hmm. Can you find someone to bring it to him? Like, I'm sure I can find someone, but then I'm like, why are you not doing it? Why are you going to find someone else to do it? Right. So I'm going to bring this kid lunch and it's just lunch. Right. It's not like I'm like, you know, it's just lunch. Yep. You know, but yesterday I dropped it off, but lunch, Vis-a-vis the bread of life. Yeah, truly. Something that he yeah, survives on. Water, right? Yep. Yeah. I drop it off. He opens the door, right? And it's totally like weed fest. It's <laughs> house, right? And so like, I'm like, that is some skunky weed you got. Right? And so this is all going on in my head when I'm dropping it off. Right. And as I'm walking to my car, like the old part of me, the, like, the, uh, rigor. I don't know, the righteous. I don't know what I'm looking for. Some word self-righteous. Yeah. Yeah. Be like, yeah, I bring those people lunch in more. They're too lazy and all high on weed to go get their own lunch. I'm not going to 
don't know why I started talking that way. Anyway. That's your flesh voice. That's my flesh voice. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, but I, I mean, I killed it fast, but mm-hmm. I mean, like, that's who, that's who I was raised to be. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like in the traditions and I'm not saying specifically Mrs. Whoever that taught me Sunday school or pastor or whatever. I'm just saying that culture. Yep. The amalgamation of all those things came to be that little voice that kind of rises up in that moment and that you have to go, no, 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 that's not Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Don't believe how everyone else believes. All the religious teachers in Jesus day said, this is the order of your obedience. You should love God. You should obey the Sabbath. You should honor the temple. You should stay pure and you should love your enemy, which is why they could treat people poorly in the name of the church, because to them, the temple or the church was more important than the people. But then Jesus came along and he said, no, this is the order. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets, they hang on these two commandments. And he wasn't saying love them the way you love yourself because they were just as insecure as you and I are. He was saying love those people because they're just like you. You're just Like them, the only difference between you and them is that that you've just put a different angle on your failure than you've put on their failure. What he was saying was cut them some slack. Cut them the same slack that you want other people to cut to you. Because people who shine their light before men, they realize that policies, positions, and politics aren't as important as people. When I heard Sean say this for the first time, and this is what I do sometimes with Sean. Like, I feel like Sean, and I'm not trying to like pump Sean up. Sean's just a dude. He's broken and messed up just like you and I are. He yep. does stupid stuff just like you and I do. And so I'm not trying to pump him up, but like mm-hmm. sometimes he just, I don't know, God's just, I feel like God's given him such a great way to converse to me, to tell me about, I don't know. Anyway, when he first said that, and this has happened in the past, is that like, I, I want to, oh, I want that to be true. I want it to be true in the worst way that that's, that that's in fact how, you know, the rabbis in the old Testament, that that was how they ordered it, that, you know, love God, love the temple, you know, love the, your sacrifice or whatever, and then love your neighbor. Like I wanted that to be true so bad. So like, sometimes I like go and Google it, like, please let this be true. Cause like, if that's true, you know, I don't know, like someone would just mean so much more. I'm going to trust Sean on this. That's how I saw it because Sean's been hanging out with Rabbi Matt. And I feel like Rabbi Matt would know that. And if that was true, the context of what he said to the people that heard him say words like love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mind and soul, but because that was scriptural, they would have known that. Right. And just as important as love your neighbor as yourself, which they would have known that too. That was scriptural as well. And so for him to say, these are the two would have, would have been a revolution to them. Wait, so not the law, not the temple, not the sacrifices. Where are those things? How do we get from love God to love neighbors? Like what about all the parts in the middle? And so like, I love that. I love, love other because it, it talks to my trying to filter through that upbringing that I was talking about. Like mm-hmm. whether it was the Pentecostal upbringing or the Catholic upbringing of the you know, the temple and the sacrifice and the law, right? Mm-hmm. Like all those things are not bad things. But, but they're they, not the thing. They don't trump. Yeah. Yeah. 
so glad that I have Nick here today. He's got <laughs> such great insight. <laughs> I'm just oh, kidding. <laughs> I did like I did like the part where he talked about because Sean's big 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 on alliteration lately. He's doing a lot of letters with the same thing. Yep. Where like, um, where our position and our politics and our power are different order, but right, yeah, yeah are nearly as important as people. You know, and that's the thing right now. Like, I mean, that's not just a church thing, right? Like you think about in, in the business world, people are always talking about servant leadership and people are talking about, you know, people first and heartbeats rather than job positions. And I mean, that's, it's a, it's a trend. It's, it's uh, catchy. Right. But I mean, it's, I mean, you talk about truths. Like I feel like that's just such a truth, but we, we've lost sight of that. And that's one of the things I keep saying. I hope that maybe we learn in this COVID season is that power and politics and positions aren't what we thought they were, right? Where essential workers aren't the people we thought were essential workers, right? CEOs, no, not that essential, right? I mean, I get that there's essential, right? I understand that. But I mean, like, as far as like, when we, when we start losing stuff, yeah. like what's, what's going to make the world go round, right? Like it's a truck driver as much as it is a CEO. Like in this, in this, you know, broken down status that we're in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess I feel like the more we understand the people on the lower rungs, if you will, um, and how important their role, how vital, how essential their role is, um, the more we can understand how even as newer believers, we can be very impactful in the kingdom of God. And I think that it's really important now to focus on how essential each one of us can be in this time of um, kind of excommunicate from life in the public, if you will. And it allows us to then focus on each other and focus on um, our immediate family's needs instead of uh, going to work and then coming back and then kind of having dinner and then going to bed and then wake up and repeat um, so that we have quality time and not just seeking after the quantity of time that we're um, so used to having, you know, I have to have my half an hour of time with my kids, or I have to have my one hour of time a week with my wife or whatever it may be. But that each moment that we now have that we're spending with them is of utmost importance mm. and it's foundational. Don't hear how everyone else hears where everyone else takes it personal that someone is being hurtful. People who shine their light before men, they take it personal that those people are hurting. And so they look to bring hope and they look to bring healing because St. Paul said, those of us who are strong, we have an obligation to bear with the failings of those who are weak. It is interesting to juxtapose the two positions of let's focus on the people that are above us so that we can get ahead in the world or let's focus on the people that are air quotes here below us so that we can get ahead in the kingdom of God. It's hard to truly understand how effective it can be unless you've done it, unless you're putting yourself there uh, to serve the homeless, for example, or to um, serve those that are destitute or in need, the people that smell like urine on the street, the people that God impresses upon your heart to just take a minute and talk to them 
You know, God's not going, hey, you get the hundred dollar bill in your pocket, give it to them. But instead, give them five minutes of your time, which is worth a lot more in um, in a lot of senses, but specifically as it relates to the kingdom of God. And so focusing on the lower class, the, the little people helps us to see that we're actually the lower class and the little people in comparison to God. But God talks to us. Um, there's that old worship song. I am a friend of God is uh, part of the chorus. And uh, I think it's ridiculous in some sense, but it's so true. It's so true that we are the friend of the creator of the universe. Yeah, I like that. Although I really liked that song. <laughs> I liked the song in the time too, but I've looked back since and thought, oh, wow, that is a song about us. That's a song about me. And so th I've, then I just kind of giggle a little bit because, yeah. So you're not giggling at the friendship of God? Absolutely not. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. No, I'm, I'm giggling at the fact that we're saying I am a friend of God right. and in repetition. Yeah. I totally get it. But that was at a time when everyone was like, with, when you were, when people were like wore shirts as like they're a friend of Bill's. Right. I feel like that was like the Clinton administration. So I feel like friend of Bill led to friend of God. I feel like it was, those were the, those were contemporaries. Right. Like I feel like maybe anyway. I didn't know that. That's yeah. very interesting. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, because I talk about the friendship of Good God context. a lot. Yes. Yeah. Love anyway, it. the other thing that this segment from Sean reminds me of is about how rather than being offended by someone or being hurt by someone or, you know, trying to look for division with someone based on what they say to me or how they treat me, like maybe I should take a breath and figure out like, oh my gosh, like what, what would have to be happening in my life for me to act that way? Right. You know, what would have to be broken? And so the deeper that hurt could have been, or the deeper that, that I guess resentment could have been the deeper that, that brokenness probably is. And so it reminds me of, and this, this isn't a paid advertisement, but it reminds me of journey to wholeness, right? Because I absolutely. Mean, I was thinking the same thing. Sean has said the phrase hurt people, hurt people yep. a number of times. And that's something that we've seen in journey to wholeness. Yeah. Also. Yeah. So good. Like, and I, uh, our, uh, one of our friends, uh, Becky Alcantar is mm -hmm. you know, pastor Becky Alcantar. She's over journey to wholeness and her whole heart is about trying to go back to like where we got mistracked. It's not, a word. it's not a word where we ran off track, where we got off track, where we were derailed, where we were derailed. I like it. Right. And so then, cause if you can imagine like when I was a kid and I had a train set and like it was an HO scale. So there were bigger scales, like the, Lionel trains were like an L scale or something, but then there was like an H scale, which was really teeny tiny. Anyway, it was an H O scale, Santa Fe. Anyway, but I was really impatient. Like I'm out of my depth here. Completely. Are you really? Yeah. That's and so I got a train set and I remember, but I would always be so impatient trying to build, like I wouldn't put the tracks together all the way. Right. Cause I just wanted to get it done. Cause I wanted to see the train go. Yep. Right. But if you didn't put the tracks together, just right. Right. There was like, there was two tracks and there was like these little metal tabs that went on each side of the rail and you slid it together on this yep. rail. If you didn't do that perfect, brook, when the Santa Fe engine, whatever, that they would just jump off, right? With the Sioux line caboose and everything else. And we just, and you know the go, names of those way too well, yep. Scott. And so it, even, even if it didn't go all the way off track, if it just kind of like jumped the track a little bit, mm -hmm. then it would go down the track. It would never, it wasn't efficient. Mm-hmm. It would never like go smoothly down the track. And you'd be like, why is my train sock? And you're like, no, your train didn't suck. There was that part where you didn't put it back together. They got broken. Mm -hmm. And now that's why your train's going. Like, it's not going smoothly. Absolutely. 
And so like there's everyone, everyone is broken. Yep. Right? Some people are dealing with their brokenness better. Some people are, you know, you know, a product of journey to homeless and that, but it's not even just journey to homeless, but there's a lot of people that aren't addressing that yep. that are just got derailed a little bit. They're still moving forward, but they're moving forward all Twitter painted. Right. And so like, I just, so when I, when people are mean to me, I got to figure out like, boy, I wonder what's going on with that person. They'd be mean to me. You know, mm-hmm. not that I'm perfect. And like, if they're mean me, there gotta be something wrong with them. I'm not trying to say that, but like, I got to stop saying that anytime anyone smiles at me, it must be because I think I'm an idiot. Or if anyone like laughs in my presence, I must have my fly down or I must, you know, they must recognize the fact that I'm fat or that I'm old or that I'm whatever. Right. All my, all my hangups, mm-hmm. I have to die to those hangups. Mm-hmm. Right? I have to die to myself, right. Know who I am in Jesus Christ. And now that gives me a, clearer vision of who you are and like how you treat me. And I'm not going to tell, I'm not defining myself on that, but I'm going to start defining you. Right. Or not even defining, but like extending you mercy and grace. Right. In that, like, Oh, I bet there's something broken. Not like what the hell's wrong with you. Right. But like, you know, Oh, I bet like, how can I be your friend? Can I say that? I don't know. You can edit it. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. All right. (laughs) <laughs> it's a podcast. We can say whatever we want. Right. Anyway. Okay. If you're speaking to heaven and hell, then obviously. Right. <laughs> Don't do what everyone else does. When everyone else is looking out for themselves, people who shine their light before men, they're looking out for everyone else. They'll do what other people won't do, like leave heaven so you can be born in a manger, live a sinless life, but die a sinner's death where you're betrayed with a kiss by one of your closest friends, found guilty of crimes you didn't commit, are tied to a post and whipped until you can no longer stand and all the skin has been torn from your back, where you're beaten with reeds, fitted with the crown of six inch thorns, where you're screamed at and slandered, slapped and spit upon, have your hair and your beard ripped from their roots before you are nailed to a rugged cross with rusty spikes and hang there for six hours before you finally suffocate on your own blood and bile. And you do that because the greatest way to show your love to your friends is to die for them. But who are his friends? He tells us in the next verse, you are if you do what he commands. You are if you'll let your light shine before men. You are if you'll become Basora Labasar. You are if you'll become his Salem, the image of God. Is that you? There's a lot there. There's a lot there. So let me start by, there's this uh, meme Mm -hmm. uh, on social media. Social media is this thing, Nick, where people interact you know, via things like Facebook or Twitter. I'm into anti-social media. Yeah, you are anti-social media. Anyway, <laughs> there's this meme. It's like a set photo from uh, The Passion of the Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's Mel Gibson, who's the director, sitting in the director's chair. And then Jim Caviezel. I don't know how to say that name exactly. Jim Caviezel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's sitting in the chair next to him. And it's like in the middle of the scene that Charles was talking about, right? Where he's like just the ever-living crap speed out of him, right? So he's this bloody mess, right? And so it's just a still picture of Mel talking to Jim, probably like giving him some notes or something. But the meme is, this is me telling Jesus about how hard my life is right now, right? And so like, and I love that meme. It's like one of my favorite memes ever because, you know, Sean paints this picture of like, 
what Jesus did for us, like mm-hmm. where he came from, right? Like how he, you know, ran from heaven, you know, to be born in the dirt and mm-hmm. like how he, like, I love all that. And not that it makes me unworthy, although I am. Mm-hmm. Like I love sometimes looking at like, that's something that most people wouldn't do. Most people wouldn't give up something that's theirs for somebody else. Certainly not for the right reasons. Yeah. Right. right. You know, they would, they, there'd be, if they think you get something out of it, I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, yeah. position, power, politics, mm-hmm. you know, then they might do it. Like, mm, I'm going to get something out of this. A little while ago, I was, uh, um, I was taking pictures of people, helpers on their porches, like mm-hmm. teachers and first responders and nurses and that kind of thing. That's and cool. then uh, my friend Emily, who works at WBAY, found out about it. So she did like a little news story about it. Mm-hmm. And then, so they posted on their Facebook, which is part of social media. Okay. All right. I follow. Anyway, on Facebook, they posted a story. And then I never thought to look at the comments, but then someone wrote me and said, I'm really sorry about the comments. And so I went and looked at the comments and oh, they were no. like, oh my gosh. And then there was this one dude. I don't remember his name. I shouldn't have told you anyway, but like, I don't remember his name. But he was like, he was really surprised that it you know, someone would do this. They would like disobey, you know, the law and go and, you know, and then I saw that it was Scott Eastman. I was like, well, of course it would be Scott Eastman. Always Um, trying to make a dime, always trying to like, and I'm like, put the business before. Yep. Yep. I remember the comment. Oh my gosh, dude, if you will, like, do you even know me? Right. And so I wrote him like not an angry letter. I'm like, Oh, Hey, I hope you and your kids are holding up. Cause he talked about like how he has a kids or whatever. And I said, I just, I'm curious to know, like what you might've seen in my life that leads you to believe that that's who I am because right. I got to fix that. Like I got to fix that. Cause I'm not taking pictures all day, you know, for free yep. to try to advance my business. I'm doing it because like, that's the thing that I know how to do. I don't know how to fix gutters. I don't know how to, you know, fix breaks. I don't know how to like do anything else. It takes picking pictures is what I know how to do. So if I can yeah. do that for someone, I'm going to do that for someone. And so, and again, I'm not trying to make myself look good. I'm just trying to tell you that like, I feel like, like don't always do what other people do. Like mm-hmm. let's do more like what Jesus did. And like Jesus left the glory of heaven, right. Mm-hmm. To die this impossible death. A lot of people have died. I totally get that. A lot of people were crucified. I totally get that. You know, not everyone left, you know, heaven to do it. Not everyone did it with the burden of the world's grossness, you know, the weight of that on their shoulders. And so I just feel like that's how we need to be doing more of what Jesus did and less of how other people do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just feel like I can't cap that off. I mean, um, no, that's okay. I agree. hundred yeah. percent. I feel like putting Jesus before we put ourselves and putting other people at the same position we put Jesus is what allows us to define our faith in a deeper, more meaningful way, like for real and not like how many prayers we say or how many people we pray for, or these things that we can tell other people to make ourselves look good, but it's the action. It's the thing that we do when no one else is looking or the things that we don't do quite frankly, the sins that we don't commit because we're leaning on God. Yeah. 
when no one else is looking. Yeah. I mean, it's those things that define our faith. And then those things are also what come eking out good or bad when we're having a conversation with people or when we're doing real life, when we have reactions, when we say things that we shouldn't have said, or when we say things that people uh, see Jesus in what we're saying or hear Jesus in what we're saying. Yeah. That's good. Nick, I loved having you here. I'm glad you were my guest. Glad to be here. I feel like conversations, I mean, like I love all my conversations, but I just, like, I just feel like you and I are just talking and they just happen to be, you know. Yeah. No, and I've loved some. to connect uh, outside of this a number of times too, and just talk about life and, um, and, and how Jesus impacts life and how we can translate that into moving the kingdom forward just in our sphere. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's what the Jesus journey is. Like Jesus journey is not Sunday mornings. This is way more church. This is way more Jesus journey. This is way more faith building, right. Than some really good worship and some really good preaching, right. That this is what church looks like. Right. It's a conversation. Anyway, I'm glad you were here. That's it for this episode of two on that. I'm glad that you guys could join us. Please. uh, If you enjoyed yourselves, uh, listen to some other uh, episodes. If you'd like, we'd love it. If you would share uh, this podcast with your friends on social media. Um, And then uh, uh, also if you subscribe, that would be great as well. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.